Hello everyone, welcome to Covenants. It's co-sponsored by the Word House Incorporated Focus Consultation Services and, 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 almost most importantly, certainly as important, maybe most importantly, Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. My name, Dr. Michael David Clay, and with me, Carolyn Barnett. And that will be the program for today. No. <laughs> it's a lot of content right there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've listened to some programs that went on a lot longer, and I'm not sure the content was as, as dense as, the, as I might call it in, in that earlier, not dense, like slow to come to awareness of, or it's like stupid, but compact, compressed with all kinds of information. Hi, Carolyn. <laughs> Hello. So, Carolyn... Do you feel very secure right now? <laughs> well, you, can, you can take that any way you want to. Right out of the park, huh? Okay, well, um, sure. <laughs> I feel secure in what we do. Sometimes I feel insecure when we open up because I'm not sure where you're going. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit uncertain. But uh, I'm always secure in the value and content of our our podcast. Yes. Yes. And you could look at it that way. And I, I always ask open-ended questions. It's part of my training. Uh, but that was a very open-ended question, and you directed it toward the podcast, the broadcast, which is quite appropriate. But, you know, I was thinking more generally speaking, I don't know. I don't know that I am necessarily obsessive-compulsive. I was thinking other terms Freud called it anal retentive, by the way. I don't know that I am anal retentive. Can I say that on Christian radio? We just did. <laughs> I just did. Well, uh, hopefully they will understand what I'm speaking of here. Uh, obsessive, compulsive. I don't know that I need a lot of rules, but you know, I like to know what's ahead of me. And to have something that I can then look at that would give me some evidence, some clue to what's ahead of me, helps me to feel a little bit more secure. I think that's why I like rules. Mm-hmm. I am not somebody who likes to play games that don't have, in my opinion, I know it's only my opinion, sufficient rules. Mm-hmm. Because rules, and then not only rules, but they're enforceable. You can really enforce them. Somebody knows them. Somebody says you're wrong. There's a mechanism, a means in place to enforce them. Hmm. That's very interesting. I was going to mention the word, and you're going to have to <laughs> go with me here, controlling? I almost didn't want to say that word. But since you described it, as the rules, I'm thinking more structure rather than controlling. Well, I have been accused of that. But, you know, I, I kind of think of that, too, in that sort of same dimension. Well, okay, if it's the rules, then I'm just following the rules. I'm not necessarily trying to control somebody who's made up the rules. But you like the rules. I love the rules. That's the difference. I think structure and security. And some people don't like that. I think confidence. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, we were at a basketball game yesterday, my sons. And he just, he called me out like about 
two months ago for giving the ref a hard time. He says, you don't do that anymore, Dad. I said, yeah, you do. You can, you can give the ref a hard time. How do they know they're making it? Oh, no, they'll eject you. Mm-hmm. They will. LeBron James can have people ejected from ball games. This is crazy, crazy he world. Was <laughs> Anyhow, guess who got all upset because the referees weren't good yesterday? Mm. It was my son. But he likes the rules, too. And I can take a loss, speaking of it, and, and maybe that context is terms of a, of a game, basketball game, I was saying games earlier, playing by the rules, but I can take a loss if I know why I've lost, and I can take a loss too if, if for whatever reason I've broken the rule, if I've done something not right. Mm -hmm. But I have a very difficult time when I don't understand either why... I got penalized or I lost, which I kind of take as a penalty, why I lost, which may be a problem in itself. But at the same time, though, if at least I know what the rules are, if I've broken them, tell me. I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. But in that sense, yes, I think rules establish structure, and structure is control. I don't know if that's what you were getting at. but I also think the... Whew. This my uh, mind was going different directions when you were saying that about the game and the referee because you might get upset, but then I was asking myself, it depends on who makes the rules and do you trust who makes the rules? Because if you think, well, he's a bad ref, he made a bad call, then you're not going to trust him. But I want to take it like spiritually speaking, if we trust our referee, our person that makes our quote rules, then yeah, we might be upset, but we know that there's a purpose in that. So I think it goes back to who's making the rules and then, and then that will determine how well we follow them. I, I, and I, I, yes, I agree completely, totally. And I was thinking about who makes the rules. Moses makes the rules. <laughs> That, now, a good Hebrew would have said that, mm -hmm. particularly mm -hmm. in Old Testament context, and then probably even in Jesus' New Testament context time, a good Hebrew would have said, Moses makes the rules. Oh, you're a prophet, all right, but you didn't make the rules. Mm -hmm. right. And you know, that's an interesting thing, too. Prophecy comes from rules. It's called science. If the empirical methodology isn't sound... If you don't understand the mechanisms, the dynamics, if you don't measure something in valid terms, that's what I'm trying to get at, mm -hmm. how are you going to then otherwise be in any way, shape, or form able to predict, which is reliability? And science, at least the hypothetical deductive model of reasoning and logic, and, and that's what science is all predicated upon, research is, you can predict anything, right? But if it's not valid, right. then you're just like, what? It's just theories. <laughs> it's, it's just theories. It's not even good theories. I guess all theories are good. At least you're thinking out of the box a bit. But but you should. You need to test them, mm -hmm. and then that establishes, and even legally so, that establishes precedence. But when you start to mess with those kind of basic premises and, and you start with an invalid sort of, of, a, of a model, methodology, or what you're measuring, you can't validate, then you got no business making up the rules, right? 
LeBron James. LeBron James. <laughs> but you know, Moses didn't make up the rules. True. God made up the rules. How do we know? Because Moses gave God the credit. Mm-hmm. Now, where were all the Hebrew people when God was speaking to Moses so that Moses, in a firsthand sort of witness sort of way, could give God all the credit? They certainly weren't up on the mountaintop. Why? Because to them, it all sounded like a bunch of thunderings. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> it's like me yelling at the refs, you know, or my kid. Right? I don't yell at him. But, but if you get upset or angry and you start getting to that pattern, as all it sounds like, is a bunch of cl- thunder claps. You know? And, and yeah, maybe there's a bit of fear, but if God don't come off that mountain and do something about it, then you're going to think, well, it's just a bunch of thunder claps. It really right. doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And, and that's very evident with our children, too, when they see a bunch of noise and don't really see any kind of evidence of, of the noise, then they're going to do like the Hebrew children, and they're going to start rebelling and part doing whatever they well, wanted to do. That's it. No rules. Because if there's no rules, then somebody steps in and makes them themselves. And even if the rules are just on paper, but they're not enforceable, if nobody's following through with them... Mm-hmm. Uh, if nobody is, <laughs> whether I'm naive, innocent, uh, maybe just stupid, I believe in the rules, but also believe in God. Mm-hmm. But if they're not following the rules, then people are going to make up their own rules. Mm-hmm. And when they make up with their own rules, then you're going to get all this that we've been talking about as far as control or somebody else. You know, if God's put it and instituted it, put it in place, and, and it's according to him, and, and it is valid, it is the truth. And I think God, in, in the mind of God is empiricism. I, I believe that. Or at least hypothetical deductive reasoning coupled with empirical study. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to get at. And if it isn't valid, don't tell me. You can offer thoughts, but don't tell me I have to follow that rule. Prove it. Show me. Mm-hmm. I think there's a state still called that. The show me state. Mm-hmm. I forget which one. Missouri. Missouri. <laughs> show me. Because if it do, you can't show me, then you got no business telling me what to do. Hmm. Hmm. Are you going to tell God that? <laughs> well, that's, what I'm, that's my point. Except God. Because I do trust God. And that's why, again, I'm a Bible believer. And, you know, you can say, well, it's a Bible and whatever translation. And that's true. They've, all, they've just been, everybody's got an angle. It's been corrupted. I think it's just personality. I don't want to make it sound cynical or I me mean, so cynical or it's so horrible. But I'm sure whoever did the translations had an angle. Mm-hmm. I got an angle. This whole program is about angles, right? Perspectives. Mm-hmm. We offer a unique and different perspective. We bring people on with different perspectives. That's the point. Right. Not that mine's absolutely true, yours, or even our guests that mm-hmm. come on. But we just want to share a viewpoint. And we try to make it pragmatic and practical. And we do see it translated to or translatable to what we do for a living as far as the counseling and the pastoral care, et cetera, et cetera. But the bottom line, though, comes back to a need for a bottom line. You've got to have the rules. And whatever Moses wrote on those Ten Commandments, on those tablets, the Ten Commandments, was as close as we could come to in tangible representation the mind of God. And I am not going to move off of that. I have to have that. 
That's my rules. Those are the standards of conduct. But it's more than that. It's society. Mm-hmm. It's more than even parenting. It's society. It's more than basketball games. It's more than right. James. <laughs> it's, you know, in a very basic way, I always kind of say, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Mm-hmm. And there's more to it than just that. But if you don't have those and you don't have agreement on those and you don't establish whatever you've got, God's given you, as having reign over jurisdiction over, Mm -hmm. if you don't base that in something of that nature or that very thing, the Ten Commandments, both that nature and the very Ten Commandments, Mm -hmm. you're in trouble. I like um, James Dobson's quote of rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And I just believe that that's true. We can have those rules. And he came down with the rules, Moses did, but without that relationship, then it was just a bunch of rules to be broken. And so, and of course the people did, and, and they still do today. We still do, not intentionally. You know, we don't want to break the rules. We like the rules. And I feel like we do better when we have rules laid out in front of us. But there's something about that rule status that the sin nature wants to go against. Well, it's more than, and and again, lest I be anal retentive only. (laughs) You? Yes. Or obsessive compulsive only. Or lest I uh, lead people out into the weeds of all of those rules. And Moses kind of got into that. I mean, he knew it was God, but he had a rule for everything. So lest we get into that level, mm-hmm. I want to say this though, that I, my contention would be that if we have those rules in place and those are established, then not only would we, we'd be very far from God, but we would not only understand the rules, but our heart might even change in a way that allows us to not only operate within those rules, but operate, get this, freely within those rules. And then James Dobson says what? Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Yes. Because basically, if I don't have the structure in place, how can I operate within it? And freedom, for the sake of freedom... Obviously, God gave all of us freedom, but choice is only as good as you make the right one. I'm trying to help our listeners understand you need to have a standard Mm -hmm. in order to make a right choice. Because if left to your own devices, the way that seems right unto you... Leads to death. Only to death. Or in a day and era and a time when there was no common word Mm -hmm. expressed where they'd lost the word, where God no longer was of prominence, preeminence for the Hebrew people. They had this very same trouble. Mm -hmm. And thus came Samuel. And with that then, the word of God restored and reestablished. But it wasn't to condemn the people so much as it was to lead the people and to guide the people because they had made a mess of things. They had no sooner gotten into the promised land 
and start a company. All this freedom, all this choice, all that stuff that Moses was trying to teach them, mm-hmm. right? With the Ten Commandments, God was trying to teach them via Moses with the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. They didn't learn. Mm-mm. No, and it continued on. I'm in reading in Jeremiah recently, and you can just feel his heart when he speaks to these people and tells them, you know, what God's saying, what God wants them to to share to the people. And it's sad because he shares, you know, how I tried to help you. I laid out these guidelines. I gave you the rules. The rules. And you didn't follow them. And now look what's happened. And that's why I believe that God had them put in a box, the ark. Mm. And why I also believe that God insisted, as through Moses again, that they always lead with that. You have to lead with that. The ark would always go before. So that whatever decision you made would be put through that mind of God. Mm -hmm. Right? Valid. So that if you're trying to make a decision or a choice and you want to succeed... You know what the rules are, and so then you think to yourself, well, these are the rules, so if I do this, the situation, circumstances, all might be different. Mm -hmm. And all of them probably are, in a unique sort of way, different. But if you apply that standard, not only do you probably get a lot of stuff kind of in that routine structure sort of way in place, oh, we've done this before, this is how this works, (laughs) but you're also probably... Guaranteed, I'm going to say guaranteed, that whatever you choose to do will be either the answer or will continue to direct you toward the ultimate answer. Even if the situation remains, as they say, fluid for a while, you always win. You may take a few losses along the way, which aren't penalties then, right? Mm-hmm. But if I need to penalize myself or be penalized for anything, it's that primary error of not constructing the methodology, not using the rules, not, I guess it's more than using the rules, it's the paradigm. Rules are important to all choices. Freedom only comes once you understand the basic rules of the universe. If you don't understand the rules of the universe, then you have no really good choice or no choice because none of them are going to be good. You might luck into something now and then. We're going to talk about hopefully the grace and mercy of God here in a moment, the real glory of the Lord. But why would I want to do that if I could at least give every bit of honor, forethought, to trying to think it through or at least understand how God would think it through and help me think it through so that I would follow the rules. I want to know the rules and I want to follow them. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Joshua. He had some setbacks and he wasn't always following the rules. And then the, then now we get to read about it and we see how that worked out for him. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. But I agree with you. Without the rules... I'm reminded of like a child in a yard or or next to a road and you you have rules. Don't go near the road. And all it takes is one time of going near the road and they're going to find out, I have to obey those rules. So the judges did a horrible job, you know, in the Bible. And, And Samuel was not a judge, although he probably did some judging kind of things. Uh, Samuel was not Jesus, 
although I think he was in that priestly sort of role. I, he certainly wasn't a king because that's a big part of the story is that uh, even with Samuel and the word of the Lord reintroduced via Samuel, uh, they still wanted a king, and we've discussed that in previous programs, podcasts, broadcasts. But I do think that God intentions us to take the rules, much like the Ark of the Covenant, to put them in our heart. And I do think that's what the Ark represented. I think it was the heart of the people. I think it was the place that God wanted to reside within each individual. But at that time, it was more corporately so, even maybe for Moses. But it represented a building, a structure, a box. But inside there was the rules, the mind of God, and then there was testimonies as to the experiences. So if you wanted the hypothetical deductive model in some tangible represented form, and you wanted to kind of put it out there and say, this is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Open the box, look inside of it. But if you want the heart of a man, woman, child, person, to otherwise know what it is to experience the glory of the Lord and all the great things that go along with that, you've got to teach them that. But you've got to have that inside of you like they put it in a box. You have to let that be precedent in your life like as God wanted them to. But even with Joshua, that's the whole point. And the judges, it was an extension. Joshua didn't do it. The judges could not do it. Moses could not do it. And Samuel knew well enough that they weren't going to do it. And he kind of said, it's not going to work. The word of the Lord works. Mm -hmm. But every man was doing what he thought was right in his own eyes because he'd been jaded. I used the word cynical earlier, but you do get jaded. Mm -hmm. You just say, well, what are the rules worth if nobody's going to follow them? I'm just going to do what I think is right. Mm -hmm. And and then that's when they started looking around and, oh, look at this country. They have a king. Let's be like them and have a king. And they just didn't like what was happening, so they wanted to make up their own rules. And that didn't work either, obviously. But we know that there was a plan, and we know that that David was to come. But Well, Ichabod. <laughs> I always had to laugh when I think. Because think about Ichabod Crane. I'm not really sure what story that was or who the author Legend was. Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yes! Washington Irving. Washington Irving. You are so good. That's the teacher you come out. <laughs> Ichabod, the glory of the Lord is no longer with us. The favor of God is no longer upon us. Now, of course, anybody who's familiar with the Bible, <laughs> hopefully their mind doesn't go to Ichabod Crane first. When you say Ichabod, you know, because that's what that meant. You know, though, that what that was all about was the daughter of one of Eli's two sons, who who at that particular point, God was having his justice. You know, that's another thing about rules. God will tell you in advance what will get you in trouble. And then you just keep doing it. And you keep doing it. And you keep doing it. Until you either get you in trouble or you get to the place where you figure out, well, there's no such thing as God. So get me in trouble. We really didn't mean this. Mm. And again, get back to your kid analogy. I think all of us know that to some extent. So Even as adults, we all of us probably still do some of that. We mm. play games with ourselves, play mm. games with God. Da, 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 da. 
It's dangerous. It is. Because there will come a point and a time when the glory of the Lord, the grace and mercy of God will eventually get to the place where even if God's gracious and merciful, you've created a mess. Mm-hmm. You've created the problem. You've created Ichabod. Ichabod is your end result. That is your fruit. <laughs> we don't like to hear that, though. <laughs> no, it's painful, but that's why I like the rules. And that's why I said I will accept the loss and I won't see it as a penalty if I've caused it. But don't sell me on a bunch of stuff and tell me I have to do things if you're not going to or if you can't help me to see where God has told me to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that is something that only God could tell me to do, right? Because I am a defiant person when it comes to that. <laughs> I'm not. Motherfucker. Anybody's rules except God would okay them, right? And if they don't follow just the basic stuff... Of the Ten Commandments, if it's not in the Ark of the Covenant, if it got nothing to do with the Old Testament, then I am staying clear of it. Right. Agreed. Because that's where Joshua got in trouble. He could not hold the line on that. Mm-hmm. Benjamites. I mean, they raped that person. I mean, right? The, the, the guy, they wanted the guy, and then they took the girl, the concubine, and then he cut him into all parts, and he sent them out to all the 12 tribes, and then, the, then Israel was fighting with Israel. I mean, this all occurred before this part with Eli and Ichabod. Mm. And so, like you were saying, it didn't take very long. And the Philistines, as soon as that, or as part of that whole Ichabod thing, that's what was happening was, they'd suffered one of their the greatest losses militarily. Materially? In a military sort of way, to the Philistines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even the Philistines are smart enough to say, It's the ark! Silly guys, fools, it's the ark! We want the ark! Mm-hmm. Because the God that you serve, you're not serving well because we know what he can do. Mm-hmm. We want the ark. We want that in our temple. They had heard of it. They have heard, I mean, how many times did you read they had heard about the Israelites' God or they had heard what this God could do? And even if they didn't believe it, they still knew he was going to act and that things happened when the ark was present. Yes. So they knew. What <laughs> was it? Dragar, Dragon, or something like that, the God that they, had, yeah. they put in the temple Dagon. and then they came in the next day and it fell over yeah. and all that was left was a stump. And, and then they made a joke about it and said maybe he fell asleep and fell over. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Which is, is good, right? And we can look at it. I think what's fascinating about that is that we can see it from the perspective mm-hmm. of the Philistines, right? And at that particular point, then we can say, well, it was serious, but, you know, we kind of see it from both sides of that, and we begin to understand they had their dues coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just weren't there yet. But that's my message, really, is that Eli should have known better. And he brought up two heathen boys who were lying, cheating, and stealing, having sex with the maidens as they came, uh, taking the best portions for themselves. You cannot do that. Mm-hmm. Now, whether it was extra important or there was extra significance that they were the sons of priests, but generally that's how it goes. Whoever is elevated to a position of some authority and being in charge of you, they, they didn't get away with murder. 
literally sometimes and then they start telling you what to do with all this hypocrisy stuff mm -hmm. well you just do what I say because you know and then if it were to be important which maybe it doesn't at some point even require that because it loses even that element of importance because they don't even recognize or they don't um, hold with any esteem those rules they don't even hold God with any esteem They'll kind of go around saying, well, but we don't lie, cheat, and steal. Yes, you do. You're the biggest liars, cheats, and thieves in the world. Should we think then that that could only happen to the Hebrew people? We should look around ourselves today right. if I'm not drawing a close enough parallel. Mm -hmm. It's the same stuff that's going on today. And the sad thing is, is that they had to face the consequence of all that. They were both killed, right? Is that Yes, correct? in so, the battle, when the Philistines had their great victory. So they, in a sense, had to face the rules, the the, end, the evidence of, you know, what was going to happen came forth, and it's just sad. But I agree with you, and I'm thinking of David, search my heart, you know, search me, O oh God, because lest we end up like them, and say we don't really need the rules or that doesn't apply to me or you know that we don't we're not there we're not that bad we're not liars cheats and thieves <laughs> yes wow but you know i think that that is exactly what we are period i don't even think i need to qualify that i want to remind our listeners of listening to covenants Sponsored by Wordhouse Incorporated, Focus Consultation Services, Covenants, Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. My name is Dr. Michael David Clay, and with me, Carolyn Barnett. So, Carolyn, Eli was the high priest. You would think that in the house of God, that the word that comes from the pulpit would not only be a word of some a kind of... <laughs> call it virtue signaling, of some sort of virtue, right? Mm -hmm. But that it would be one that would then also, as with the Ark of the Covenant, show evidence of, tangible, empirical proof of, not necessarily that everything that, that the Word says or that you say by proclaiming the Word is going to come to pass exactly the way you think it should, but it's all part of getting the answer right. And maybe the right answer is just to have this in your heart. You have to go about it this way. Otherwise, you've committed the unpardonable sin, the primary error, and that you're not even able to recognize what's valid and what's not. You know, you need to put the two of them side by side to see which one falls over. But the notion of it, though, was that Eli was in a position, and this is what he had done. This is what the highest order... This is where the ark was kept in the temple with the high priest. And he had allowed his sons to do this. And he was just as culpable and just as guilty as they were. Now, I'm not saying that he suffered the same consequences in the same sort of manner. Because <laughs> he didn't. Right. What killed him was when they come in and said, And I got the ark. And he fell over backwards. And he broke his neck because he was a heavy dude. That's what they said, a heavy guy. And I guess the weight of that on his neck was too much for his frail body because he was old too. But it was the idea that he had sold out mm -hmm. to the world. 
and he allowed all the people he was responsible to lead, to serve in that role, to remind them of the word of God. He allowed that not only to be sold out, himself sold out, and that to be kind of sold out mm -hmm. to the world, but that they'd come and they'd stolen really the very heart of God, which is really the glory of the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, it's what Moses did learn on the mountaintop that they didn't see. You know, Moses didn't come up with the rules. God did. But God shared them with Moses. Mm -hmm. But he said the same thing. Uh, it'll take a while for the consequences to kind of play out. Mm -hmm. But you always got all kinds of chances along the way to wake up one morning and say, I should probably figure out what God will want me to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's grace and mercy. That's forgiveness. But be sure, in the end... It will play out exactly according to what God said it would because He is valid, He is validity, and only He could prophetically proclaim what the end is going to be from the beginning. Because mm -hmm. He knows the end from the beginning. I'm always fascinated by that, that He's not bound by time. I've always been fascinated by the idea that He's already been there and so, not only does that give me hope, but it also <laughs> reminds me of the consequences of what could come and what will come. Not could come, what will come. I think about Sodom and Gomorrah and, and just the times that people were warned and how often we're warned and how often do we listen or not listen. And so, um, this is a good... This is a good subject um, and very needy, necessary for not just myself, but I think for our listeners because we all have rules. We have God's rules, but we have our natural worldly rules, but it's something that we have to address one, that, one way or the other. It's going to come to us, and either we address it on our own terms willingly. I heard Michael W. Smith say, he wanted to humble himself before God had to humble him. And I, I thought that was a good quote because we have to address it. Mm -hmm. It's either going to be we address it now or he's going to address it later. But it's going to come. And we all want to live not too far away from Sodom and Gomorrah. You see it off in the distance. You yeah. said that a couple of programs ago. Yeah. I thought this is so great. That was such a great point you made. Because we live in a society, in a world that's certainly at least <laughs> filled with the secular, mm -hmm. right? Which is like the Philistines next door, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And then we think, oh, well, God's on our side, though. And, you know, we really don't have to utterly destroy them. It was Samuel that said, better to obey than to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And then he heard the harking of lambs. What is that that I hear? Right. <laughs> Saul, Wise. what did you not do? I told you to do this. I told you to completely and totally eradicate the evil. Didn't do it. But we live in a society that we think we can be pluralists. You know, we think we can serve multiple gods. Mm -hmm. We think we can even do what the Philistines in their kind of ignorance and foolishness and funniness. You know, we saw some humor in it. Mm -hmm. They thought, well, we'll just get this and put it in our temple and then we'll be like they were. Mm -hmm. No, that's not how you put God on. Otherwise, you'd be anal retentive, obsessive compulsive, only about the rules. But I'm not sure they want to follow the rules. They just like the idea. 
Even and then Saul, they wanted God to submit to their way of thinking. Even Saul kind of questioned it when he said that about, you know, what is that I hear? And Saul even had his little reasons. You know, he had oh, come sure. back. As we do. Sure. You know, we, we kind of have our little reasons of why we do things. And, and it is not that there won't be weeds. Mm-hmm. It is not that there won't be forests that preclude you or preempt you from seeing the tree or trees. But that there is a process God has given us, a light unto us or for us into a darkness mm. of the unknown and the unidentifiable, uh, whether it's self-imposed through our own lying and cheating and stealing nature, right? The human nature, which is fallen, is all we're saying. Mm. But Jesus is there to lead us through that. Jesus is there to enlighten our path. The Word of God is given unto us. And though Samuel was not Jesus, because Jesus is Jesus, nonetheless, he was the closest thing. And he knew that that was not going to work. That if you didn't have your heart right with God, if you had not allowed the ark to be in your heart, to have the Word of God, the Ten Commandments, put in your heart much like Moses put them in the box, and you weren't allowing them the experiences of your life to remind you, to validate and remind you, which is also in your heart, of all the things that you have tried to either do on your own or you have failed to consult God on, or on the other side of that, that you consulted God on, and though you've still gone through struggles and troubles, He's led you through every one. If you don't keep that alive, if the fire doesn't burn in your heart, you are dead. You are Ichabod. Not only will the glory of the Lord not be upon you anymore, but the favor that goes with that passes as well. And before you know it, you're going to be bowing a knee to the Philistines. You're going to be bowing a knee to Baal. Before you know it, you're going to have a king who is a complete and total imbecile who's going to be running your country, taking your money, taking your kids, putting them into wars that they don't need to be in, all for personal gain. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) If we were in church right now, they'd be getting upset with me because I'd be now on the threshold, the verge of being an angry preacher. Right? But that's where I also I don't understand entirely. What is the fire in your bones? It's not anger, although there's a righteous indignation, but the fire is fire. It's not milk weed, milk toast. What did you come out to see? A reed shaken by the wind? No, you came to see and hear John the Baptist, who was the one that said, you can't do this. And Jesus confirmed it without an appreciation of the Old Testament. You can't do that without understanding what it is to be right before God, lest you would not have the standard. The compass would not be calibrated correctly. The rules. The rules. (laughs) I don't see it as an angry preacher. I see it as the truth, and I think about when the Holy Spirit came, it came as a fire. It didn't come like a little breeze. You know, it wasn't. It was fire. But I also think that... um, Samuel said, I went blank for a second. Samuel, the when he was anointing, and David, of course, you know, wasn't the likely choice. And he said, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. 
And so we have to remember that, that it's not about even how we appear to be following the rules. It's about our heart. Is our heart in that? You know, because you can be in the box, you can be in the ark, and look what happened when they got out of the ark. Yes. <laughs> a little bit of craziness going on there. And, you know, to maybe a new Christian, they might read that and be like, what, what's going on? <laughs> and it doesn't make sense sometimes when you read that. And Eli and his kids, and what, what happened there? It doesn't always make sense. Well, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. But no, no, no. I'm just thinking that, you know, it's the heart. It's not just our outward actions if we appear to be following the rules or even if we appear to like the rules. Is what is our heart's intent and do we want to follow the rules? It is the passion. Mm -hmm. The fire. The fire. And that's another thing that I think that we would want to do away with because this is the stuff that gets a lot of people who are those false gods or want to represent that or do that in that false sort of way or committing those primary errors or however you want to describe it. Not to really have the mind of God or the heart of God. They don't like it when you get passionate. Mm -hmm. They don't like it when you get energized. They don't like it when you have fire in your bones. They don't like it that you would have to go around sharing the Word of God. They don't like it if you would be willing to lay down your life for the cause and the purpose they want to keep you beaten down. They want to give you just enough to make you feel like somehow you not only have, but they're the only ones that could give it to you. But you only have because they did choose to give it to you and they control you. That's real control, Carolyn. That, that's real control. Because Jesus never came to control us. He did come to set us free from the bondage. But the bondage was our own distorted notions of God's going to serve us whereas it needs to be the opposite. Mm -hmm. God created us to serve Him. And it wasn't just because God is a big narcissist, you know, and He's going to control everything. and Because mm -hmm. that's just human dimension that we're putting on right. God. It's because it's the right way, because it's the only way, because it's God's way. Mm -hmm. But anybody that comes along and doesn't say at least some of that, doesn't live their life as a servant, doesn't, isn't willing to subject themselves to the same sort of truths, this paradigm, this model that says they got all the answers mm -hmm. and you just got to give them the money or you give them the power yeah. or you give them the say. You forfeit your choice, your freedom. They're not going to free you. They're going to put you in more bondage. Mm -hmm. You're going to be in chains. And that's really, whether Dobson meant that or not, that's really what happens, unfortunately, in relationships. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not about love. It's not about choice. It's about do it my way. And whoever is strong enough and can manipulate strong enough in a material mm -hmm. dimension, the circumstance, I don't want that. You don't love me for who I am. They'll love me then. That's okay. I can, but I don't want you to either out of me making you love me or feeling like somehow I've got to love you because I got nothing better. It's <laughs> all, all I got. And God's not that way. God doesn't want us feeling that way. All right. God wants us to know that we're that important, that we have a say. It, it just has got to be His say. Mm. This really hits kind of close to home to me, and it, it's a little hard to hear because I whew, was 
sort of raised that way and there was lots of rules and so when I had children then of course I felt like I needed to impose my rules because somehow they became not God's rules but then they became my rules because apparently we put ourselves on our own platform when we have children and we become God and by golly they're going to follow the rules and it was quite a while, sad to say, before I realized that. And there was a point when I came to that realization that they're not going to follow the rules just because of who I am, just because I say. And so that was, I know that sounds really simplistic, but it was a big moment for me because then I understood my relationship with God even better based on how I was perceiving my children's behavior. I'm a child of God. He's my Heavenly Father. So the relationship between me and Him changed, which changed my relationship with my children. And thank God for that, um, that they were no longer under those rules set by me that they wanted to follow the rules set by God. And and then I was following the rules set by God. It wasn't my rules anymore. And so that was quite interesting. It's amazing how people will change when you just sort of lay out the rules the way they're supposed to be. And I guess, I guess you could equate it to like playing a game and then the rules are, and you're like, well, you know, you're playing Monopoly and it's like, we just, um, we won't, we won't use the fake Monopoly money. We'll use real money. Mm-hmm. And people, <laughs> then they might change their mind a little bit how much, you know, how many railroads they want or whatever. But then you say, okay, well, we'll follow the rules and we'll use the Monopoly money. Everybody relaxes. Mm-hmm. Then it's the way it's supposed to be. And then there's a flow. And when we're not following the rules, everything gets out of order. Well, I don't need a daddy. I got one. Heavenly Father. I, I don't need a parent. I, I've got the best, God. Uh, I, I don't need somebody to come along and make me feel like a child or keep me in a position of being told what to do because I make good decisions for myself. Again, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but with God, I can do all things through right. Christ who strengthens me. Amen. And I think that that's where, again, good parents understand that. And you're a good parent, Carol. And, and certainly your mom and dad did the best that they could in the circumstances they were in and, and nobody in mine too. I mean, I got the same kind of stuff. Probably most of our listeners got the same kind of stuff. Not taking anything away from, from your personal experiences or mine or theirs. But the idea though is, is that we can all look back and see where our parents made mistakes and swear and down we're not going to do it ourselves but end up doing the very same thing. But somewhere along the line, even with Samuel, the intention was not for her to keep Samuel. The intention was for her to give Samuel to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And knowing full well that even Eli, though he would have been in the position to have been able to bring up Samuel, he had nothing to do with bringing up Samuel. He could raise his own kids. Right. But that's the message. It's not that we're all to be independent of God or so independent of one another that we don't function together. But we all need to know that our dependency upon God 
allows us to have those healthier relationships. Mm -hmm. It allows us then to let go of our kids. It allows us to empower other people. I am not threatened by your common sense, Carolyn. I am not threatened by the fact that I think you can make a good decision. My job in life is not to tell you what to do or not to do. Mm -hmm. I don't even like being a boss. (laughs) I don't. It's a mess. Right? What I would want, though, is people to realize, well, you still have got to learn how to do it, though, for yourself, and try to at least do it according to what God's told us it is, to have common sense, to practice it. Because ultimately, isn't that freedom? I'm not going to be freed from God. I just don't want you to tell me what to do. And neither do you want me to tell you what to do. I mean, that's wrong, right? That's wrong. We need God to tell us what to do. Even even Eli, didn't he tell Samuel? I mean, when Samuel thought he was calling him yes. all those times. And he told him to go and listen for what the Lord says. So I think he knew. Mm-hmm. I think he, he knew, but somehow it got warped. Well, at that moment is, is also when... Samuel told Eli what was ahead, that this was all going to happen with Ichabod, mm-hmm. with the Philistines. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was all going to happen. But it was a moment, and all parents, unfortunately, have to come to, I think, something like this. You wake up one day and you realize your kid's smarter than you are. <laughs> you wake up one day and you say, wow, I didn't see that coming. Literally, I could not see it in the way he saw it or she saw it. Uh, you are so smart. Uh, God is, and you, and you feel proud. You feel proud sort of because you were part of, at least the parenting part, did your job, what you were supposed to do. But you're just glad that they got it. They got the common sense. They got that relationship with God, hopefully. They give it the credit to God and they have that relationship. But Samuel just established at that moment, God allowed that to be established. Not only was the prophecy Samuel could see it much more clearer than Eli. And Eli was old and fat, overweight, excuse me. (laughs) And with that, heavy duty, and with that, had fallen into such a state of apostasy, he, I don't know, did he not see it coming? I mean, did he not see that the enemy (laughs) was going to have victory? at least in that battle, did he not see that all these things that he had done or didn't do, all these things that were manifest in his sons, did he not see that that was going to result in the Ark of the Covenant leaving? Whether it's the temple, whether it's the people, whether it's Eli. You won't walk with any glory. You won't have any authority. (laughs) You'll be as dumb as the rest of them. Maybe he didn't want to see it. Maybe he didn't believe it. Maybe he didn't think, oh, well, you know, God could change his mind. I think sometimes we think that, you know, we, we know what the rules say, but God in his great mercy and his grace, um, maybe he'll have mercy on me. Maybe it won't be as bad as we think. And I, I just go back to David when he was confronted by Nathan. And, and then he said, was that when he, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. And then he said he'd rather be, he had the choice of like three punishments. And he said, I'd rather be in the hands of God than hands of men. 
So, you know, there's an ultimate choice there to be made, but sometimes I don't think we want to believe it or that we don't want to see it. We don't want to hear it. You know, oh yeah, yeah, I know. I know what's going to happen, but don't tell me about that now. I'll fix it later. Mm -hmm. Kick the can down the road. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll take care of that. I know I got that problem. My sons are crazy. Nobody's going to defeat us. Nobody's going to take us over. Nobody's going to destroy the United States. There's no way in the world. We're the superpower. These people are fools. They are fools, 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 Carolyn. Mm -hmm. and, and somebody should be preaching a stronger message. Somebody, somewhere. I don't think it's the president that preaches it. I think it's the pastor. I think it's the preacher. I think it's the evangelist. So, we've got guests. Unless we shut up. Me, not you, because I'm the one that talks too much. <laughs> no. Unless we shut up, we're not going to get a bit of a chance to tell about what they know of folks who are really in a state of darkness. Folks that really, at times, don't seem to even understand the most basics of common sense. People who've been oppressed generation upon generation upon generation by whomever would come along and would otherwise want to control them to lie, cheat, steal for their own glory or aggrandizement or their own profiteering or what you want to call it. So. True ministry is liberating the people. You know, you don't have to go to third world countries necessarily to find that anymore. But I still think, though, to whom much has been given, much is required. And sometimes the most innocent folks, the ones that are most open and receptive, are the ones that have never had much. And so uh, why would we not also offer the message of salvation to them? Right. This isn't just for the Jews only, right? Mm -hmm. So, we're going to take a moment, take a break, and then when we come back, we've got Chris and Carmen McBeath, mm -hmm. and they are with Healing Rain Ministries out of Nicaragua. So, everybody, take a deep breath, get your mind sort of settled after all this fiery talk, and uh, we'll hear what Chris and Carmen have to say. We'll be right back in just a moment. Okay. All right, we are back. And they say there's the first to everything. Why am I always the last one to find out about it, though? <laughs> because you like it that way. I don't feel secure. I feel very insecure, Carolyn. <laughs> we have Chris and Carmen McBeath. But, but, and you know, had I not said this, if I don't say this, nobody would know, right? They are not with us. In the studio. This is true. They're somewhere around the world. <laughs> on the other side of the continent, the, not continent, globe. Uh, actually in Nicaragua, which I guess is south, right? Yes. South America. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it is sort of on the same side of the globe we're on, but just a, a long way away. So we're going to do this as best we can via remote. Does that sound right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Something like that. <laughs> so, Chris and Carmen, welcome to the program. Thank Good morning. So Thank you so much. Now, I'm assuming, and you're with Healing Rain Ministries, and you are welcome. Thank you for, again, coming on. But I'm assuming that you make your way here occasionally. Yeah, we usually try to come to the States uh, around one time a year. It just depends on our schedule here and the ministry schedule. But we try to visit all of our supporters in our local churches um, at least once a year. So we've been talking a lot about um, 
just the, the whole idea of evangelism on the podcast today. I think we call it that. We've not used that term, Carolyn, but I think we could call it that. But how important it is to share the Word of God and to do that in a tangible, real sort of way. One that has the witness, the testimony, as much as somebody telling you what to do, they actually live by it. And I would imagine as well that unless people have actually gone to Nicaragua and been with you, there still may be some difficulty kind of translating what it is that you guys are doing there in that way of evangelism so that they can really understand it. You know, I think most of us are insulated. <laughs> most of us have no notion what it's like to live in the real world. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's very true. You know, a lot of things we do, um, we, we actually really just look towards the Bible for why did Jesus, you know, feed the people? Why did he give the, the fish and the loaves? Because it was a tool to present the gospel to them. That's right. And those are the things we do here. You know, we focus 100% on discipleship. And um, we just use the tools that we are provided from our supporters to present the gospel. Um, there's a lot of need in this country. And, you know, America is a blessed nation. We are the most blessed nation in the world. Yes. Um, no matter what's going on in Washington, um, we're still the most blessed nation in the world. And when people travel abroad, they see that very quickly. Yes. Um, but he's like, here in Nicaragua, Nicaragua is the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere next to Haiti. So there is a great need. You look all around. People need food. People need clothing. People need the basic needs. Yes. Housing. So in order for us to present the gospel, we realized right away that we need to help provide those needs. And, you know, we, we can't do everything. We're just a small ministry. But we do what we can. And it helps open that door to build a relationship. Right. That's the key. Build a relationship with the people. Let them know that you're genuine, that you really do care, and that you have something that they need. They need the hope of Jesus. That's right. And that's, that's the only reason we're here, is to give them that yes. hope and let them receive that hope yeah. to change their lives for eternity. I want to add something, too. You know, Chris and I and Healing Rain Ministries, we will do anything except for sin to win these people. That's that's how much, you know, Paul, Paul said in the Bible that, um, you know, he almost wanted to trade places with these people, like, like forfeit, um, how do you, how, like where he said um, he would give his life up so that they could receive Christ. Do you remember what? Okay, thank you. <laughs> so the main thing we really focus on is, is discipleship because we want the people yes. not only to receive Christ, but to have that that building relationship with them. Um, and it, it's amazing to see the transformation of the people. Yes. Well, and it is going to sound a bit trite because I think it's just been said so many times that it, it really almost sounds like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. 
teach them how to fish. <laughs> and, exactly. And, and you know, and with that, you're you're affording. On Friday, our church here in Madagalpa, um, where we had our anniversary, 45 years. Um, wow. Our church has been here in Madagalpa, and. Um, he preached that, and he actually took um, a fishing pole and lures and gave them an illustrated sermon. It was amazing. Well, and it is that thing, too. <laughs> and I'm not a fisher, but my son is. I don't like to fish. Maybe because I don't catch fish. But there's nothing quite like hanging out fishing and talking and fishing and talking, talking, talking and fishing to bring camaraderie, friendship, fellowship. And, and it, you know, we can make it about a lot of things and, and uh, certainly there's higher order things and maybe lesser order, but there's nothing more important than eating. There's nothing more important than somebody knowing somebody cares about you. There's nothing better for a child than to know that they have a parent. And, you know, I said that earlier, we're blessed, and, and you said that that way, and, and that was what I was meaning. And, and there's a lot of bad things that are happening, you know, that happen to people in the United States, and I don't want to minimize that either. But we need to know the answer so, and live it so we can give it to them so that they can overcome all the bad things. And, and not only overcome them, but be brothers and sisters with us in that. The true discipleship. And that's what I think you guys do. When you share the gospel with them and you develop those relationships, those people become family. And it's yes. not just, you know, winning them and fishing and then, you know, dropping them. It's discipleship I never quite thought about it that way but that really is your goal not just salvation but the discipleship that goes on there is amazing and the programs and the reach that they have is really outstanding so so who taught the two of you how to fish <laughs> well you know Carmen and I, I I'm, Carmen she got saved when she was a little girl so she served Christ her whole life. I was a late bloomer. Actually, I got saved because uh, her mom said that's the only way I could date her was to go to church. So I started going to church, and then after a couple months, I, I gave my life to Christ. But, um, you know, I would say the foundation of our ministry, we learned from a ministry in El Salvador. We, uh, we went on a short term trip. Actually, let me back up a little bit. Carmen went on her first mission trip when she was a little girl with these missionaries. And then later on in life, as we became adults and were married, we were able to go minister with them again uh, uh, and lead a couple different teams from the U.S. Um, but we saw how they built their relationships with the people and, and their evangelism and their discipleship. And I told Carmen that's that is the key, I believe, to everything. You know, when we first got here, people uh, were thankful that we would bless them with something or had a word for them, but you never saw those walls come down because they were like, ah, oh, you're just another gringo of, of Americans that are, are teaching about Jesus, and then you're going to go back to your, mm -hmm. to your country, and you're not going to forget all about us. But once they realized... Hey, they're not going nowhere. Yeah. They're, they're actually yeah. here. Um, 
and they actually do care about us. That's when we saw the shift um, in, in our ministry. And so we learned from that that other missionary family couple uh, early when when ours was just developing. That building relationships with people was definitely the key. Yeah, <laughs> I laugh because I hear the rooster in the background because you all are on the ground right in the midst of it. You're not um, off somewhere, you know, uh, camping out in a in a um, suite somewhere and, you know, coming to share the gospel, but you're right with them, working with them, and living with them. So they see you 24-7, even when in the good days and the bad days, and uh, they see it all, right? That is true. <laughs> well, and, and again trying to translate that or to share that message with with folks uh, stateside, as they used to say. Uh, I am sure that, that the Holy Spirit has a lot to do with compassion to, to motivate them. And, and I am sure, too, that, that you have those that are, are individuals who are just completely, totally, 100% behind you. Churches that are you can constantly sort of count on being there to support you. Again, much like the Apostle Paul. Yes. But I do imagine that that a lot of folks, once they finally understand what the circumstances are, and and you know we take it again so much for granted, but these folks are so downtrodden, or they've been victims, or they've been oppressed, or they've just suffered so much loss that they don't even have the common dimension of help, of hope, uh, and and they do feel helpless. They've given up. They've almost resigned themselves to the fact that this is all their life is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in Nicaragua, you know, employment and job opportunity is very, very little. And most people are, they're, they're day laborers. They work today to put food on the table tonight. Yeah. And that's the reality of it. Yeah. I mean, it is. And I... I never realized it. You know, I went on short-term mission trips and different things before we became full-time missionaries. And, you know, those are great, great um, resources to reach a lot of people very quickly. Um, we love having our teams come from the U.S. down here. Oh, my goodness. Um, Tri-State Boys have been here many times. And uh, we absolutely love them. And the resources they bring uh, is amazing. But... At the same time, being here day in and day out and seeing these people get up every morning and just try to find work. I mean, I see hundreds, if not thousands of people lined up at the coffee beneficios, the, the coffee plantations, just begging to for, work. for people to say, okay, you can work today. Wow. And the, the average uh, uh, income for those day laborers is about eight dollars a day. Mm. All day in the sun. Yikes. Um, so to see, you know, just you know how hard they got it, and the yeah. and man, just like you said, the hopelessness in a lot of people. Like, man, where are we going to get our food today? Where are we going to get water today? And then to see transformations, to say, you know what? Jesus said the birds of the air don't have to worry about where they no. get their food. That if you believe in him, 
you'll never thirst again. That's right. And to see transformation and doors open for people, we have seen, and we have testimony after testimony after testimony. I'll give you one real quick, real short. We were ministering to a guy, and he was he was a drunk. Every little bit of money he got, he drank. And there's some alcohol here that's very, very cheap. It's like 25 cents a bottle, so. <laughs> And he was always drunk, and he, he basically, because he had no hope, he just decided to say he was drunk. Well, every week we would have an outreach or a, a men's and he would come, and every week he would be drunk, but he would come because Carmen would make food for them. So he would come to get a free meal. Well, every week I would ask him, do you want to serve Jesus? And he would say no. And I would say, you know, well, you know, today's the day of salvation. You know, this is your chance. You may not have tomorrow. Well, no, I'm not ready. Well, one day he shows up and he's completely sober. And I was like, man, this is weird. So we, we did our Bible study and everything and he's eating. And I was like, do you want to accept Christ today? And he said, yes. He said, today is the day. And he accepted Christ. And I saw a total transformation yes. in this man. Yes. And the next week, he shows up at my house in a vehicle driving and in a uniform, a Coca-Cola uniform. And he is so excited to tell me, look what God has done. He opened up the doors for me to get yeah. this vehicle. And now I have a full-time job with Coca-Cola delivering Coke to the stores around the city. Wow. And it was just amazing to see a man go from that hopelessness you talked about to having hope. That was like... A f- the fastest transformation I've ever seen in anybody yeah. here. Yeah. Like it was, I, I believe that God used, and his name was Noel, which means Christmas. Um, but um, I believe that God used Noel. I'm sorry, I'm going to be emotional here. Um, to encourage Chris and I, because we're like, you know, we were new on the field. We didn't have all this missionary training. Everything that we did was from life experience, basically. And the Holy Spirit was teaching us. We're like, we don't want to do anything outside of you. We just want you to show us how to be. Because we've seen um, so many times that people just do things their own way and not God's way and it all comes crashing down and that's not what Chris and Carmen want to do we you know God gave us healing rain ministries he put us in charge of it but he's the one leading it true so how can we help you well, obviously prayer. And I know that, yes. that may seem cliche to a lot of people, but we know uh, that our prayer yeah. warriors in the United States and our We support, depend on them. Yes, we know that that doors are open, doors are closed, yes. and we are protected because of our prayer warriors. Yes. So we really do uh, rely on, on our prayer warriors. So prayer, first of all. Second of all, of course, finances. I mean, we always... Uh, uh, are growing and doing more and and we you know God will present us with something and we just like yes we don't know how that's going to happen but yes 
you know, that's that's going to happen. We're going to do that. Yes. Right now, we're ministering in 11 public schools to over 2,500 students. And this next year, their school year starts in February. Uh, the public school superintendent wants us to expand into four more schools and one more high school, which will add another probably at least 800 children to um, our, our schedule, our monthly ministry schedule. Um, and actually, those uh, schools are in a very rural area where we can fully yeah. drive to get to. So we're we're trying to save up to, to purchase a four-wheeler truck right now. Um, but you know. Finances got are our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Yeah. You know, we learned right away our first Christmas in Nicaragua, yeah. we had two dollars and twenty two cents to our name. That is it for our family of five here in Nicaragua. We didn't have nothing because everything we get we put into the ministry. And yeah, we, did. uh, we didn't have much support at that time. So but we 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 made it. We did. We ministered to to a lot of people that year we're thankful. So, we, so we trust him. So how do folks get a hold of you? Um, probably the easiest way to get a hold of us is Facebook. We have a Facebook page, Healing Rain Ministries. We also have our website, HealingRainMinistries.org. Um, Instagram is Healing Rain Ministries. Uh, and our email is HealingRainMinistries, the number seven, at gmail.com. Uh, but any of those ways, or you can contact Carolyn and Tim, Tri-State Worship Center. Uh, they've been long supporters yes. of us uh, and been partnering with us. So any of those ways, you can get all of us. All right. Well, Chris and Carmen, I know that it's been... Uh, <laughs> Certainly a very, very uh, difficult at times journey, but I love what, Carmen, you had said, that if God isn't the builder, it, it's not going to stand. And, and obviously he's the builder, and, and obviously he's equipped you, and more so than anything else, he's taught you how to trust in him and to feel secure in that. And that really is the only answer to security. Uh, actually, the great temptation is to think or maybe have available other options. I don't like it when I have a lot of options. I just like it when God says this is the direction to take. But you guys, we, we want to thank you for being on the program today. And uh, we are certainly going to encourage our listeners to support you in your ministry. And uh, we just wish you the very best. Thank you thank so you much. So it's much. An honor being with you guys. Yes, thank you. So we're going to go ahead and take another break, and we'll be right back. Want to remind our listeners, you're listening to Covenants, co-sponsored by the Word House Incorporated and Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. My name is Dr. Michael David Clay, and with me, Carolyn Barnett. I don't know, Carolyn. Mic drop. I don't know. <laughs> Could I do that? You know, I think even they faced that question when they went. And I won't share the whole story because I, I don't want to get it wrong. But I believe that Carmen, that God spoke to her and told her that they were going to a land that was surrounded by water. And it was... Very similar kind of Abraham, you know, like they didn't really know where. They didn't know Nicaragua exactly. So you talk about trust. I mean, that was, 
I don't know that I could <laughs> I would like to think that I would have and I feel like that you would have that we would listen to God and, and move but wow that took a lot of um, a lot of trust and faith well lamp unto my feet and a guide unto my path mm-hmm. your word and and uh, <laughs> it's just getting past me but that would be the problem is it's not again an issue of God it's an issue of me, my humanity, my lying and cheating and stealing nature, my wanting to be obsessive, compulsive, anal retenting, retentive, my wanting to control everything, my wanting to have the plan all laid out. And really all God's asking is for me to listen to Him and uh, how to get me out of the way so that not only can I hear Him, but I would know him. I would know his word. I would know his voice. I would understand his mind. I would understand his intentions. I'd know how to do it honorably. I'd know how to do it so that there would be life in the word. I would adapt. I would not meet my ultimate demise. Which in my mind is exactly where the devil wants to take me. He wants to show me all the things that are not going to work out. Mm-hmm. But God says, I can't show you all the things that are going to work out because they're going to be beyond your comprehension. But I can guarantee you, they will work out. That is faith. But that's also obedience. That's following the rules. Not to listen to me, not to listen to you, not to listen to some other person that doesn't know God, but to know the one true God, to recognize the testimony of the Holy Spirit in such a way that you know God is speaking to you. And I think that when they obeyed the the rules that we're talking about and started selling everything that they had to raise money to move... People were questioning that, you know, are you sure? What are you, you're selling, selling your home, you're selling, I mean, it's just crazy talk to the, to other people, you know, they kind of looked at them and, and, you know, sometimes even in our lives when we, I don't know, when you started your business, if people questioned that, you know, when we said we wanted to adopt, people questioned that. I'm not, I know it just seemed maybe they didn't understand or it seemed, um, you know, out of reach or whatever, and especially financially, especially when we didn't have one red cent put up to adopt. And then I can look at people in the eye and say, God provided all of it. That to me, I mean, (laughs) you know, we listened and we obeyed, although God had to speak to me a little bit more (laughs) because I wanted to know for sure. But when we listen to that voice and we obey and we follow, like, you know, we've been talking about the rules, but when we follow where he's leading us, he's going to work it out. And there may be bumps along the way. I'm not saying both of our adoptions have been picture perfect by no means, but I know that God was in it. And if he's in it, then I can trust him. Just like, um, you know, Chris and Carmen, when they, when they left, um, they had to trust him, and they had to do a lot of things that were hard with well, three kids. Yeah, and it's virtue and character, and it's it's building that in a human dimension. God builds it, and it's um, mm-hmm. we don't construct it. Uh, experience is necessary. Our participation is required. We have to be cooperative again with God on that. But that really is what that comes back to is that element of virtue and character and then the testimony mm-hmm. that you can share. Right. But 
but I do think that even as Carmen put it during the interview, that so many of those ministries, even with the best of intentions, with the best of thoughts in mind, they go astray. They get out in the weeds. They're looking at too many of the details. They're relying too much on their own intellect. They're, they've lost that dimension of faith. They don't know how to face things that scare them. Uh, they don't have, again, the courage that God, only God, His Word can bring to us. They don't have a relationship with Jesus so that they don't know that He walks with them every step of the way. That He is not only, it's not only a matter of Word, but He is the living Word and alive within us. I mean, all of those things, and I feel like we're preaching to the choir to some extent because we're on a Christian radio station and, and certainly anybody that gets at least a little bit of, a, of an idea of what we're about is going to know we're going to be talking about Jesus. But I think even so, the faithful need to understand living too close to Sodom and Gomorrah living too close to all this that otherwise is the pluralism. Uh, if you're not solid, if you don't see it in these absolute rule kind of terms, the two great commandments of Jesus, to know there is but one God and, and to love Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit first, and then second, go out and minister. Love others as you love yourself. If you don't hold fast and true absolutely, even obsessive compulsively at times, anal retentively at times, fiery at times. If you don't hold to that, you're going to become lukewarm. Mm -hmm. And your foundation is going to be poor. The rains are going to come. You're going to, your house is going to suffer the, the consequences, the damage. I hope it doesn't happen to you. It's like, the again, Noel in the interview. Mm -hmm. I hope you come to your senses before right, it's too right. late. But the story could have been just the opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, Noel may have never come to his senses, and he might have died in that state of darkness. Right. And thank God he didn't. And what a testimony he will have, and the beauty of it, how God used him to, to encourage them to see that, Carmen called it that fast transformation, to see the turnaround. We don't always see that. You know, a lot of times we'll plant the seed and we'll think we're following the rules. And, and for what, God? What, you know, I keep uh, witnessing or I keep inviting these people and nobody ever comes and nobody ever, you know, prays through, as they used to say. But that's not up to us to determine or even to see. But we just have to trust that He knows what He's doing. He made the rules. So we have to trust them. So uh, you are a lawyer. I wanted to be when I was little. Well, you did a good job <laughs> because though you don't handle the law in a legal sense, right? right. You don't have a, a, the title lawyer no. or the license. Uh, we are. We're we're handling the law, and and that's not a bad thing. And, and with that, a lot of people, oh, law, I mean, that's bad. It's against freedom. There's, there's no way to really find freedom when you've got a rule like that. But that's the whole point, is that I'm thankful to God that I don't have such ultimate freedom that I can destroy myself. Or if I do have that choice towards self-destruction, that I have also then in that choice... Plenty of opportunity because God has liberally shared His Word. He's given us His Son, Jesus. He's even taking or taken on and continues to take on all the, the consequences of my mistakes, my lying and cheating and stealing, so that I might know His grace and mercy. So I do not have to suffer the fate mm -hmm. 
of my own self-destruction. And the truth of the matter is there is probably truly no such thing as freedom if it isn't established in God because humans are either moving toward life or they're moving toward death. And there is no in-between. You're either for me or against me. Mm -hmm. Well, he enforced the rules. We keep talking about that. When he made him, when he made Adam and Eve leave the garden, lest they eat from the tree of life and stay in that state. Mm -hmm. So they had to go and they had to follow the rules, but that was for humanity's benefit so that well, it's, you did it with your kids you have to leave home you have to build your own virtue and character you have to get that word in your heart you have to have your own personal testimonies you can share them with others and you can certainly dis disciple others out of that you can learn how to fish so you can teach people how to fish but they had to go I mean, they could not stay in that mentality or that mindset mm -hmm. uh, in the garden. Uh, otherwise, they would not have grown. They would not have. And that's not salvation. We're saved in Jesus Christ. But that's for the purposes of, a, of functioning in this life mm -hmm. and to not take other people, I think, ultimately down with us. Which really is what happens is if we aren't again for him, we're against him, but we'll take a boatload of other people down with us, which I do not want that held to my accounting. Right. I do not want to be responsible. One day God looks at me and says, why did you say those things to those people mm -hmm. and know that that was harming them? Mm -hmm. Or that you were taking away from me, or you're trying to steal my fire, or you're trying to steal my glory and claim it as your own. Mm hmm well, that's a sobering thought. Thank you. <laughs> Keeps you humble, at least. For Sober, sure. Humble. For sure. And I think about it wasn't long. How many was it the next chapter? How long was it before then we had uh, Cain and Abel? The first murder it wasn't literally very long after they left the garden. Yes. And then we're already destroying ourselves. Yes. And we're doing it again at a mass level. So... Another day, another podcast. <laughs> Carolyn, we want to help folks. It's not quite the same as being in Nicaragua, but as I was trying to say earlier, there's a lot of discipleship that needs to be done here, and we yes. have lost our way. Yes. And uh, yes, we still are kind of in that kind of place of favor with God in the sense that there's still a lot of material blessing, but we know that it's not going to be in the material blessing. It's in, in the Spirit. It's in the Holy Spirit. It's in the virtue. It is the Word turned living Word. It's all those things we've been talking about that will be then not only God's glory upon us, but will become then our glory. Uh, we can look forward to have hope not feel hopeless and helpless, which we do, unfortunately. It seems like a lot of folks do in this world. But we want to help folks. How do they get a hold of us? Well, there's lots of ways you can call... Excuse me. <laughs> lots of ways you can contact us. First, with easiest, would be just to give us a call at 304-528-9220. That's 304-528-9220. You can find us on Facebook. And I post a link to our podcast on our Facebook page. So go to Covenants on Facebook. That's Covenants with an S. Or you can send us an email if you'd like to contact us. And we would love to hear from you. Um, comments, topics you'd like us to talk about. We'd love to hear your feedback. Covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. Or you can check us out online. CovenantsChristianCounseling.com. CovenantsOnline.com.
And with that, then, Carolyn, as they would reach out to us, uh, we want to just encourage, um, assure, I guess maybe is even another way of saying that, our listeners, that our true intention is to do exactly what we say. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not a trick. You know, they're going to get pretty much... Oh, we have no hidden agendas. No, no hidden agendas. I mean, there really isn't much of a hidden agenda in it all. But I do believe, though, that, that there are many ministries and many fields in which people are called to. And for this particular season, this particular moment, particular uh, point in time, uh, this is all part of our ministry. And uh, what that means is, is that we would want to, again, encourage you. If you have any need, if you feel like you need just some encouragement, uh, that you feel lost, you need some direction, uh, that certainly that's why we're here. Not only here in the sense of the radio, the podcast, uh, but also here in the sense of if you should decide to reach out to us and want to sit down and, and have a conversation with us so we can do what God has equipped us to do. Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry that we can help you with that as well. So Carolyn, I feel much more secure. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> yes. I needed that. I feel better too, actually. I didn't want to end on a down note when we were talking about it. I brought it up, Cain and Abel, and I thought, oh dear, I don't want well, to end yes. on a down note. I always want us to end on a positive note because there is always, always hope, and that is found in Jesus Christ. That's right. So, for the last time, at least on the podcast broadcast today, I'd like to tell our listeners they are listening to uh, Covenants. Co-sponsored by the Word House Incorporated Focus Consultation Services, as well as Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. My name is Dr. Michael David Clay, and with me all along today's podcast has been Carolyn Barnett. We look forward to uh, getting a chance to do this again with you next week.